Uh, anyway, guys, we've been in this series, uh, Cause and Effect. Call, what is the cause? What we've been talking about is as a follower of Jesus, if we believe what Jesus did, he died for us, he rose again, it should have an effect on our lives. Are you, are you hearing me? There should be something that separates us from the world. And I hope you know I'm not talking about out because, hey, I'm, I'm the least religious person you'll ever meet. But there should be a shift on the inside. It should affect how we treat people. Come on. How we love people. Where we go. Where we don't go. It should have that kind of effect. And, and as I went into this week, um, that song that Tyler did, it would have went perfect with the message I was going to preach. Because I, I, I contacted him and said, Tyler, man, I want you to do an acoustic version of this song. Uh, it's going to go great with my message. And I did not have the heart to tell him that God had led me in a different direction. Plus, I love the song, and he did an incredible job on it. So... But I felt like God was leading me. The Holy Spirit began to lead me in a different direction. And I will be uh, teaching that message. Who knows if it will be next week or, or whenever. Uh, but turn with me. If you got a Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we'll bring it up here on the screens. We're going to jump in at verse 13. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. Verse 17, God also bound himself with an oath. So that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge, uh, can have a great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. What is that hope? Look at this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I'll read that again. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Now, I want to read those last three verses, how the Passion paraphrase it, because I love this. Look at this. Verse 18, so it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. I love that. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone before us. 
And we have breaking news for you this afternoon. At least three children are dead after gunfire erupted at a Tennessee Christian school this morning. Official well, ahead of today's hearing, according to new court documents filed by the prosecutors, it claims that the two teens murdered their Spanish teacher last year because of frustration over a bad grade. A man convicted of raping a nine-year-old girl was sentenced to 24 years behind bars. In March, a jury determined that 30-year-old Andres Gonzalez Gayton raped the girl multiple times in November of 2018. An Ohio man there, uh, you can see, accused of fatally shooting his three young sons. Well, he admitted to planning the killings, and he lined them up before executing them with a rifle, according to prosecutors. Uh, so... As we come on the air, a massive cleanup operation is underway in parts of the Deep South. More than two dozen people are dead, several missing from powerful tornadoes that ripped through Mississippi and Alabama. And southeast of Tupelo, another tornado emergency. The radar revealing a dire situation as the twister closed in. Oh, man. Like, north side of Amory, this is coming in. Oh, man. Dear Jesus, please help them. Yeah. Dear Jesus. In case you were wondering what the chant was, they were chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. As I look at what is going on in our country, the nation, we just celebrated our birthday this past week. I think it's safe to say that we are in desperate need of hope. Desperate need. And, and here's the truth. I could have put, put many more uh, clips up there about what is going on in our country just this year. Just this year. If, in fact, over the weekend, the fourth weekend from, uh, from uh, Friday, June 30th, 5 a.m. to this past Wednesday, July 5th at 5 p.m., 20 people were killed. 126 injured in 22 shootings across our country. And our country is gearing up now for election season, which is going to add a whole nother level of insanity. With that, we've got the identity crisis going on. What used to be simple biology uh, telling us there are only two genders now one article I read said that there are a minimum of 107 genders listed in 2023. Yeah, it's crazy. You've got people for fighting for the right to be able to teach our children sexual orientation and sexual, uh, different sexual positions. Children. We've got people fighting for the right for doctors and hospitals to be able to mutilate children at a very early age because they don't feel like what their sexual organs... That, that are, are you hearing me? I'm talking children. Listen, if my mom and dad jumped on that bandwagon about what I wanted to be, 
I would have a peg leg in one eye because I wanted to be a pirate at one time. We, but they're saying, hey, children, here's what I'm convinced parents don't want to be parents. And so we're fighting against these things. And as we look at our nation, our country, I think it's safe to say that we are in the middle of a storm. And the storm is only rising and getting more and more powerful. The winds are getting stronger. So the question that we need to be asked today, what are you anchored to? What are you anchored to? Because I believe the effect of the cross and resurrection should have an effect on followers of Jesus to where we are anchored to something solid. We don't get uh, just blown around by the wind or by opinions. There should be something different. What are you anchored to? I remember the, uh, the last vacation that we actually got to go on with my dad before he passed. Uh, we went on this all-inclusive. We were in uh, Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. And uh, I love this story because when we booked the trip with mom and dad, my dad being, he is steep church of God. He is. Well, we didn't know that uh, tops were optional at this place. And so if you know my dad... I had so much fun with this because we'd be walking down through there and over here you and my dad. Anytime I knew what Daddy saw, good Lord, hit me. But one one of my favorites is, is this. They they had all these different things you could do for free. Any non-motorized uh, water stuff you could do. Well, they had catamarans because me and Dad were like. Yeah, let's do that. So we get Sheridan and Zion, and we go up there. Hey, we'd like to reserve a catamaran. The guy goes, "Have you? Are, do you know how to, to uh, steer one of these? Or? And me and Dad looked at each other, and we looked back at him and said, Absolutely. <laughs> so the guy's like, um, so you, you don't need any? Well, we were like, listen, maybe give us a refresher course. We, you know, just kind of bring it. It's, it's been a little bit. But anyway, we get this catamaran. And we're sailing, we're close to shore, and Zion is loving it, Sheridan not so much loving it. But she's, she's, she still has got all of it, her emotions drained in. Well, then we start going out to deeper water. And, uh, you know, me and my dad, we like, hey, we hit in the wind. The wind is pushing us, and we are taking this thing as fast as we can go. We're like, listen, they've got on life vests. If they pop out, we'll circle back around and get them. Let's hit it. <laughs> well, that her emotions became uncontrolled, and she begins to scream. Because if you've never ridden one of these little catamarans, we are about six inches off the water. So to her, she is six inches from death. She is six inches from sharks and everything else that's under there. So, well, then a wave hits us, and I mean, we're going, well, then the screens go to a whole nother level. And I mean, people can hear her scream, and it's not just a, it is a constant scream. And I mean, three miles away, people are like, dogs are running. And so me and dad are like, listen, we better, 
If we don't get her to shore and stop this, they're going to arrest us as soon as we get to shore. But have you ever felt like that? Like you were only six inches from losing it all. You were just six inches from just total destruction. You're only six inches from going on, six inches from, hey, I cannot take it anymore. I'm done. If, you get, if I get turned down from this job, or if I lose this job, if me and my spouse have another argument, if I get another bad doctor's report, if I get another bill, I am six inches from going under. And maybe it's not the bad stuff. Maybe it's actually stuff you, you thought, man, you get the relationship, you get the job, you get the house, you get the car, all these things that on the outside you should be happy with, but now you find yourself, I thought this would feel better. I thought this would satisfy me. But somehow, even with all that, you found yourself drifted and disconnected. You ever been there? And what do you do when you find yourself there? And here's what you need to understand. Today's message doesn't come from a place, well, of, man, these people really need to hear this. This is going to be good. This is going to be good for somebody here. This message comes from a place of, I need this. I'm preaching to myself today because the truth is, here, here's the thing, it, it seems like the world has gone crazy. Yes, there are tragedies taking place, but it, here's the thing, all those things on the outside don't compare to the storm that's going on right here because the storms that go on right here are more likely to take you out than any of the things on the outside. And I, and anybody else like me, it's like, my emotions, I can be up here spiritually, emotionally. I mean, I'm riding, the, I'm above the waves. I mean, I'm on a cruise ship, and then bam, I'm down here six inches from the water. Come on, anybody else like that? You're up here, and then next thing you know, you're, emo, you're, you're down here. It's like schizophrenic. Come on. It's amazing how our soul, our minds, and our heart can go from here to here in a heartbeat. That's why it's so important to ask, ask, answer the question, what are you anchored to? Or a better question, what is your soul anchored to? Because that's what's important. And, and let's go back to the very beginning. Look at this, Genesis 2-7. Because it's going to play an important part in this message. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living what? Soul. A living what? Soul. soul. He became a living soul. The Hebrew word, and I'm probably not going to say this right, so I'm just going to say it quick, is nefesh. Here's what it means. The seat of emotions. It is the seat of your passions, activity of the mind and will. In other words, here's what it means. It is the center of who we are. In fact, the Old Testament will interchange heart and soul a lot of times because they mean the same. And if we're being honest, our minds, our wills, and our emotions have a tendency to drift. Come on. 
I, I mean, I think about the state of our country, everything that's going on. It's easy to see that people have anchored their mind, their will, and their emotions into something other than what God says. They're anchoring themselves to opinions. Come on, to a political party, to an ideology. And people's emotions get wound up, right? I mean, people are mad. You mad, bro? Come on, have you heard that? Because people are mad, and most of them don't even know why they're mad. They're just mad. And they allow their emotions to govern them. I heard somebody say this years ago, and it stuck with me. I cannot remember to, to give them credit. But he said this, emotions are like children. You can't put them in the trunk but you can't allow them to drive either. In other words, yeah, you did hear that. Emotions. You can't just put them in the trunk and act like they're not real. They don't exist. But you also can't allow them to drive. You can't allow them to steer your life. Listen, if I allow my emotions to steer my life, you would have the most hated pastor in Mexico County. I'd be on social media. I'd be, oh, really? You say that? Let me say this. I'd be going off. I could get, come on, I can get mean and nasty with the rest of them. But we cannot allow our emotions to drive our life. How many be honest say, yeah, um, my emotions have gotten me into a lot of trouble? Yeah. The rest of y'all, you're lying. That's cool. I cannot. So again, what are you anchored to? Because here's the thing. This world can be painful. Do you know why? Because we're living in a broken world with broken people. And we've got racial tension, political tension. We've got he said, she said drama. And it's easy to allow this stuff to get so heavy on you and weigh you down. But as we read this passage... It's clear that the writer of Hebrews is letting us know an anchor is important. And if you're, and there's not a lot of notes today, but the one thing he, need, he wants us to know is this. Your soul must have an anchor. It is not an option. It must have an anchor. You want to survive? You want to survive when your life gets hit with storms? It better be anchored. And, but not just anchored to anything. Come on. You're about to find out, and you're going to see where a lot of Christians are anchored when the political season cranks up. And you're going to find out their hope is not in Jesus. It's in whether so-and-so gets elected into office. And let me go ahead and clear some things up. Jesus is not anchored to any pol certain political party. He's not riding a donkey or an elephant. Come on now. Now, I, I, and don't, don't get me wrong. I'll vote. You should vote. But also, I'll tell you this. Whoever gets in the office, it's not going to send me into a whirlwind because my hope is not anchored in them. It is anchored on a strong and trustworthy anchor. <laughs> Hebrews says this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls today. Let's say you were to go out on uh, the lake today. 
you got a boat, so you go out on the lake today, and you find a nice spot, a little cove. Hey, this will be great. Let's, let's hang out here. So you set everything out. You're like, man, you get the music cranking, uh, and you're just like, hey, I'm going to let you fall asleep. How many know if you do not anchor that boat down, when you come out of your nap, you're going to be like, how did I get here, and where am I? Because if it's not anchored, and our souls are like that, if our souls are not anchored, what we do is we find ourselves later months or years down the road wondering, how did I get here? How did I get here? I'm telling you, and here's the thing, it doesn't matter how spiritual your boat is, how godly your boat is, whether your boat tithes or not, whether your boat shows up on Wednesday night classes, because Matthew says this, he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So just when you become a Christian does not mean you will not encounter storms. Are you hearing me? Well, let's get back to it. Because if, if I'm being honest, my will, my mind, my emotions, they have a tendency to drift. And I can get to a point where I feel like I am six inches from just going under. And I need some intervention. Because contrary to popular belief, pastors are also prone to drift. Are you hearing me? Uh, we're prone to drift. Does your soul have an anchor? Remember the, the Hebrew word for soul and the flesh? Seat of emotions, passions. The center of who you are. Think about the meaning of soul as we read this third, third John 1 and 2. It says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Look, at I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I have to ask, John, are, are you saying that there is a direct correlation between my health and my soul? Are you trying to tell us that if my soul is healthy, I'll be healthy? See, when it comes to your soul, it doesn't matter how much kale you eat. It doesn't matter how much you exercise. It doesn't matter any of those things. Because if your soul is not half, half healthy, you won't be healthy. You won't be healthy. We need to understand that the, that the writer here, when he's talking about this in Hebrews, about a strong and trustworthy anchor, we need to know who he's talking to. Because he's talking to a group of Jews that are ready to call it quits. They're six inches from going under. He's writing to Jews that have decided, hey, I believe what Jesus said, so I'm going to abandon this, and now I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. And when they did that, made that decision, it cost them. It cost them relationships, friends, family, mom, and dad. It cost them economically because who, if they had a business, guess who the people that bought from them were? And it seems like when they made the decision to follow Jesus instead of their life getting better, it seems like it got worse. And I think that's something we need to talk about more in the church. Because what do you do 
Brent, when you come up and give your heart to God, what, what do you do when at CR we've got people that come up here, give their hearts to Jesus, they surrender their life to Jesus, but their life doesn't get better. In fact, sometimes it seems like it gets worse. Come on, are you with me? I mean, you get saved, you start following Jesus, and you start losing friends. I'll never forget a conversation I had a few years back with a young man and his wife, and he was talking, hey, when I, he, he was sober now, but he said, hey, man, when I drank, I got invited to all the parties. People wanted to come to my house for the parties because I was the party. He said, but now that I've quit drinking, I don't even get invited to parties anymore. They don't want to come to my house because they know I don't drink. And he said, now I feel lonely and left out. Come on. Feels like he had been rejected by his own family and friends. And that is, the, that is who uh, the writer of Hebrews is writing to. People that are broken and hurting. They're broken socially, economically, physically, emotionally, all because they decided to follow Jesus. And the writer knows that these people are six inches from just giving up. And he says, guys, don't give up. I need you to remember this hope, Jesus, he is a strong and trustworthy anchor that you can fasten your life to. Second thing I think he wants us to know is this. Jesus is enough all by himself. He doesn't need anything added to it. Come on. So much of today's Christianity, I think, would be unrecognizable to Jesus because we thought Jesus needed help, and we've added stuff to it. Come on. The writer said, hey, guys, I know you're worn out. I know you're exhausted. I know it's hard right now. I know you miss your friends. I know your business has taken a hit. I know these things are hard, but I need you to remember, you don't need to add. You don't need to change because he is a strong and trustworthy anchor. He is an anchor that is immovable. When you anchor your soul to the hope of Jesus... When you anchor your mind, your will, your emotions to Jesus, you're anchoring it to something that is steady. No matter what's going on in the world, it will not move. So again, I ask, what do you anchor to? Because here's the truth. It doesn't take much to find out what you're really anchored to. Come on. What is it that makes you lose your mind and lose it? Because that's a telltale sign you may be anchored to that. Come on. Because it doesn't take much to find out. When you lose it because you lost it, that's a pretty good sign you're anchored to it. Finally, I have to ask, what are you anchored to? Are you anchored to a job or a career? Because I'm going to tell you, 
There are people in this body that are finding out if their life is anchored to a job, career, come August 29th, when Shaw closes, they're going to drift. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about people that out of nowhere, no forewarning, got word we're closing. And if that's what you're anchored to, you're going to drift. Are you anchored to financial freedom? Come on. Are you anchored to a job, a political party, online presence? Here's the biggest problem. None of those things have a soul. And something that does not have a soul cannot rescue something that does have a soul. See, when you're in a dark place, that great job cannot save you. When you're in a dark place, whoever, if your person got voted into office, they will not save you. They will not lift the depression off of you. Something that doesn't have a soul cannot save or rescue that which does have a soul. Here's the thing. When you find yourself feeling broken and alone and ready to give up on life, it will not matter what job you have, who's in the White House, what's going on here, what's going on there, because they cannot save you or rescue you. Let, let, let's change subjects because I can tell some of y'all are starting to drift from the message. Maybe you're like, uh, hey, PK, you know what? I'm not anchored to any of those things. You want to know what my rock is? See that girl over there? See my boo? That's my rock. That's my anchor. I mean, I've heard it. You've heard it. My wife is my anchor. My husband is my anchor. My family is my anchor. And I get the sentiment behind it because I am all about family. But here's the problem. When you anchor yourself to another person, guess what? That person needs an anchor themselves. And all you're doing is attaching yourself. You ever been up to uh, either Soaky Mountain or, or the uh, water park at Dot Splash Country and got, got in the, uh, the Lazy River? That's my favorite thing to do. I mean, I just lay there and they have to say, hey, sir, 20 times is enough. Get out. It wasn't me. I saw you floating down the river. It wasn't me. You know, let's go on. Let's move. That just hit me. That's funny. So, but why you... Oh, that was funny. That cracked me up. Um, what you find, you may attach yourself to, me and Denise may be floating down the river together, but guess what? We're floating down the river. We are not anchored. We're, we're going to go wherever it takes us. And that is the problem with anchoring yourself to a relationship, to another person, to family, to, because they need an anchor themselves. And two people that don't have anchors will not make one anchor. Mm. I, let's get let's get real because I have people that will get mad at me I know that's hard to believe that anybody can get mad at your pastor I am so loving and kind 
Um, but they'll get mad at me. Hey, I called you. You never called me back. Hey, I, well, what? You never take you. You didn't. It took you two days to return my text. It took you two days to return my phone call. You know what I want to say t- sometimes? Hey, you don't think I've got junk going on in my life too? You don't think maybe I'm having a crappy day myself? Hey, pastor, you didn't. Man, my, me and my wife are arguing. I tried to call you. Hey, you don't think me and my wife ever fight? Are you hearing me? Because the problem with anchoring your soul, anchoring yourself to a pastor, a minister, is they need, we need anchors too. Man. Because we're all prone to wonder. That's what the hymn says. Prone to wonder. We're all prone to wonder. Prone to drift. So I don't need to anchor myself to someone down here, another human. Hey, I need to anchor myself to what the psalmist talks about in Psalm 61. Tyler, if you'll come up. He says, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. He says, my heart is going faint. I'm about six inches from going under. And I call to you and I say, lead me to the rock that is higher Lead me to a rock, something more stable than me, because I am not stable. Lead me to the rock where something is solid, when my heart grows faint, when I'm feeling alone, when it seems like I'm the only one in this. I need you to lead me to the rock, tie me to that anchor that is so much stronger and higher than me. Guys, we are so broken and fragmented and fractured. And you, we can try to dress it up and make it sound great and sing songs and do things. Oh, yeah, but the cracks are what makes the light shine through. And while I get that, that doesn't make it any less painful. And if I don't have my soul anchored to a rock, the rock, that is higher than me, my job, this world, I'm not only going to drift, I'm going to crash and burn. What do you anchor to? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. I mean, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that poetic? Can I be honest with you? You know what I wish it said? This hope is a strong and trustworthy Rescue helicopter. Like, God, just get me out of here. This storm, just lift me out. Bring me up. Get me out of here. Because an anchor implies I may be here for a while. I may have to ride this storm out. Come on. Honestly, I'd rather have rescue helicopter Jesus than anchor Jesus. Because I'm like, Jesus, just get me out of this. And Jesus is like, no, you know what? I think I'm just going to drop you an anchor right here. In Matthew 14, you know, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, go get in that boat, cross over. I'm going to go pray, meet up with you later. And so 
get, get this. Uh, this is important for us to understand. Jesus is the one that tells the disciples to get in the boat and go over. They're doing what Jesus tells them to. And they still find themselves in the middle of a storm. Doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. But yet they find themselves in the storm. And I want to read this because I think this speaks to where some of you are today. Matthew 14, 24. Meanwhile, the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from the land. What I want to do, I want to replace the boat with my soul and read that. Because this way something you feel, meanwhile, my soul, fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from the land. Anybody ever felt like that? God, I'm so far away. I'm so far from stability. I'm so far from getting my life together. God, my soul has taken a beating emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And I'll say, I can't see you or feel you right now. Maybe that's where you're at. One of the things, when you read the rest of this story, it says Jesus comes walking to him on the water in a storm, and uh, they think he's a ghost. And, and so he has these encouraging words for them. Don't be afraid. So Peter's like, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, let me come out to where you're at. Let me move closer to you in the storm. Jesus says one word, come, come. And that one word enables Peter, in the middle of a storm, to step out and begin to move closer to Jesus. Yeah, but Kelly, but, but he sank. Yeah, we know the story. But get this, get, none of the other disciples could say, there was a time I walked on water. He gets out. He is six inches from going under. And Jesus reaches down and rescues him. And then he asks Peter a question. Or he asks him, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I'm Peter. I'm like, are we not seeing the same thing, Jesus? Are you not seeing the storm? What do, you, what do you mean, why did I doubt? Now I think my Peter's like, Jesus, are you serious? Can you not see I'm holding on for dear life right now? Can you not see it's taking everything I've got to just stay above water? Let me ask you, could Jesus have calmed the storm and then had this conversation with Peter? Absolutely. But he chose to have this conversation with Peter, still not in the boat, out there in the middle of the storm. And I think what he was doing was showing Peter and the other disciples and us, see, 
even in the worst storm you've ever encountered, I am still a strong and trustworthy anchor that you can put your souls to. See, here's the truth. There are going to be times that he does not pull you out of the storm. But there'll never be a time that he leaves you alone in the storm. He'll stand in that storm and ride it out with you. And I know we want to just be poured out of the storm. But I feel like said there are times when Jesus says, you know what? This is lesson time, Kelly. Uh, yeah, I, know. I, see, I see all that, but take your eyes off all that. Here, here, Kelly, look right here, right here. That's where I want you. I need you to focus. No, no, back over here. I need you to understand despite what's going on. You can count on me. Anchor yourself to me. And no matter what goes on out there, it will not cause you to drift. Some of you, that's what Jesus is saying right now. You're in the middle of a storm, and you're looking, you're trying. Jesus is right in front of you saying, make eye contact with me, and you're going, no, 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 right here. I'm the anchor. I'm the one you can trust. I believe Jesus says, hey, he gets to sit right out there in a storm, and he says, hey, I know you're having a hard time. I know the storm is hitting up against you, waves, and the wind is blowing. But you need to understand, there's not ever been one second of your life that you have been out of my sight. I'm in this with you. You know what, something else I don't, and I am closing. I, well, another thing I don't like about this metaphor, the anchor and stuff, is that when you use an anchor, you can't see it actually make contact with the bottom and secure itself. You just have to trust that it's doing what it's supposed to do. I would rather be able to see Jesus anchoring it and working things out. But there's sometimes, and that's why it's called faith, that I can't see it. I just have to trust that the anchor is holding because it's secured itself. some of you here today, you're in the middle of a storm. And you may not feel like you're going to make it out or you're, or you're just ready to abandon ship and jump ship. Listen to me. Do not jump ship. Don't quit. You're too close. You've ridden this out for too long to stop now. Keep going. I mean, they just, Tyler sung it just like Lazarus out of that grave our God rewrites history that storm maybe God is using that to rewrite history for you because you were headed this way and maybe you thought about that maybe God allowed a storm to kind of blow you from the direction you were going that was going to bring total destruction to your life so he said they're, gonna, they're not going to like this but if I let them keep going, it's going to be devastating. So I'm going to allow this storm to blow them in a direction that they'll be forced to look for me as an anchor. Man, stand with me across this way.
See, here's the thing. Jesus knows you're going to have those times of doubt. I mean, think about Peter. Peter had the physical Jesus. He saw the healings. He saw the wonders. He saw the teeth. I mean, all that. Yet he had moments where he doubted. No heads bowed. No eyes closed. Let's forget that. Because here's what I know. There are people in this room feel like you're six inches from giving up. You're close to There are people this, that this week you thought about ending it all. You thought about it. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just brought that to me because I know there, there's someone in, you thought this week, I'm just going to end it. This, it would be better off without me. Life would be easier. Some of you, you're in a storm. I don't know if it's a marriage. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know if it's physical. I don't know if it's emotional or mental where depression is just, but you're in a storm. And you just need to feel Holy Spirit come in and wrap his arms around you and say, I've got you. I know this storm is rough. To the other side of this storm, you're not going to believe it. If you're here, well, I know you're here. The question is not that, it's we have the courage to say yes to me. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I am six inches from going under. I feel like I'm about to lose. Yeah, come on. Come on, yeah. Come on, we're be honest. Be honest. Absolutely. I let, let me let me say this. I've had that kind of week. Can I be real? You know, this the first part of this week, I'm talking to Nate. She's like, "What's wrong, babe? What's wrong?" I said, I, "I'm just struggling mentally. I, I'm having a hard time." And I said, "I know I'll get out of it, but I'm just being real right now. I'm struggling." And I told I said, you know what? If I could find somebody to preach for me Sunday, I would. Is that, am I being too real as your, unhonest as your pastor? Because that's where I was Monday or Tuesday. And I talked with other people that are leaders and staff members, and I know they've struggled with it. So this is not a matter of you saying, I don't want to raise my hand because it'll make me look weak. I don't care what I look like to you if it gets me to the anchor that is higher than I. So once more, is that where you're at? Six inches from just calling it quit. Six inches from walking away. Six inches from just saying, you know what, forget it, I'm done. Six inches from having that emotional breakdown because depression is just hovering like a cloud over you. Six inches because it seems like everybody wants a piece of your time and you don't know how much more you can take. Is that you? Raise your hand. Yeah. 
prayer team come up. Because here's what we're going to do. Yeah, I'm going to ask you. I'm going I'm I'm to say, hey, if that's you, if you raise your hand, get out. Because here's why. Because I don't know if you've ever been on an older boat where you go to try to use the anchor and it's not been used so long it's rusted and you really can't get it loose. And you have to have somebody come in. Hey, I need help with this. See, there's no magic. Casey doesn't have any magic in his hands. But what he does have is a hand to help me get the anchor loose. To help me get things back where they need to be. So if you raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand but you need this, right now, step out, come down. Step out, come on, yeah, that's it, that's it. Don't wait, don't wait, step out, come down. 